What's good, y'all? What's up with it? It's your girl, Poppy. What's good, y'all? It's Sierra, and you're tuned into Girl, Let Me Tell You. As y'all can see, Joanna is not in today's episode, so we just wanted to say we will miss your presence today, girl. We miss you so much. (laughs) And we love you. Love you. So, so much, girl. So much. Yes. But in her place today, we do have a very special guest. So I am so happy and so excited to introduce my big sister, my role model, my inspiration, I mean, she's also like my biggest hater. So putting that out there now. Um, but somehow she's also one of my biggest supporters. But anyways, let me introduce Dr. Jennifer Johnson, y'all. So give it up. Give it up. <laughs> Hello, I'm Jennifer Johnson. This is my sweet 16th year in education. I've worked in K-12 as well as higher ed and have had a lot of different responsibilities over the years. And I'm so excited to share a little bit more about that with you today. Awesome. Well, we love that. And I heard that your students call you Dr. J. Is that what we're going to call you today? Yeah, I'm pretty cool like that. So feel free. (laughs) (laughs) Say less. Dr. J, let's do it. All right, y'all. So today we always have to do our question of the day. So my question of the day is, what advice would you give your younger self? Dr. J, you go first. (laughs) Let me see. I don't know what I would tell myself. I'm over here being great. I'm just playing. (laughs) Period. Period. Honey, I love that. No, no, no. I would tell myself to um, just make sure that you are intentional about taking care of yourself and doing things for yourself that you enjoy. I think a piece of advice I would give myself, my younger self, would be to forget what the haters say, forget what everybody else got to say, love yourself and live your life to the fullest. So I think that's, that's what I would tell myself. I love that. I love what you all have to say. And mine is actually very similar. Um, it's just to do it, Sierra. Like, don't be afraid. Don't care about what people think about you. No, just do it. So that's what I would just tell myself. Yes, I love that. I love all these little little tidbits, little facts. So I hope that tells the listeners out there, y'all better have y'all pens and papers ready because we finna get into it. So today's mm-hmm. topics are really just going to be education. We got Dr. J in the building. And like she said, she's been doing it for about 16 years now. Yeah, I started my 16th year in education. Wow, that's amazing. So I think I would just like to know, just to kind of get us started, what, like, why did you choose education? How did you, how did you get there? Because we know you already went through, got your doctorate, but like, what was the start? What made you want to go into that field? Honestly, when I first applied to college, I was going to school to become a psychology major. 
I just wanted to learn a little bit more about that. But the summer of orientation, I changed my major to education. And it was really because I wasn't 100% set on psychology. I had a talk with my mom and she said, you know, I really think you need to consider um, being a teacher one day. There are so many perks to working in education. Of course, she mentioned having some resolve and holidays. But she also said that she felt like I would be a good person to work with young people because I had a lot to offer them. And I actually took it to heart. So at orientation, I changed my major to education and I never looked back. That's cool. So I have a question within that. So you were going into psychology, but then your mom was like, you can help, you know, the youth and younger kids. So like, did you believe that yourself? Like, was psychology going to be geared towards like helping the younger people or... Well, how was that? Honestly, no, it wasn't. Uh, I don't really know. I knew eventually I wanted to get a doctorate, pursue uh, that level of education. And I knew getting a major in psychology, I would eventually have to go to grad school, but I didn't have a real career plan set. And when I changed education, just the opportunities within the field piqued my interest from not just being a teacher, but being able to do other things as well. So it kind of guided me in having different opportunities right in front of me to learn a little bit more about during that time. Can you tell the listeners and the watchers, um, where did you end up going to school and how did the institution you chose shape your view on education? Ooh. Yes. So it was senior year in high school when I realized that I wanted to go to a historically Black university. And it was because I just needed to broaden my perspective and my horizon. I had uh, grown up in a semi-diverse area, but not with a lot of people who look like me. I may have had two Black teachers in my entire K-12 education one was in fourth grade and one was sometime in high school. I don't know if it was like 10th or 11th, but I only had two. And I just needed to have an opportunity to be around people like me pursuing excellence in education. So when I decided I wanted to attend an HBCU, I thought I was going to Howard and I got accepted. And when I got accepted, I told my parents, all right, I'll see y'all at Christmas. This is where I'm going. <laughs> Not and Christmas. Was, she said, forget yeah. Thanksgiving. <laughs> For real, ain't no fall I was break. headed out. I did my research. <laughs> I heard it was the best. So I'm like, let me make it happen. But also, um, my dad said to me, well, let's just look at some other schools and consider Prairie View. And I hadn't gotten like the best, um, I had gotten some scholarship offers, but not what I really wanted. And so we went on a tour at Prairie View A&M University. I stepped on campus. It was like God spoke to me at that moment. And he said, I want you to go to school here. And I was like, what? And I felt inspired, right? And so yeah. I knew... I was changing my path and Prairie View was going to be the school for me. And so then I set my sights on more scholarships because my sister, and I have another sister, her name is Bree, older than me. And she says, you know, I just think you're too smart to go to school and them not pay for it. I said, okay. Period. So I like that too. School. And she said, hey, my sister really wants to go to school there. Is there another scholarship application she can fill out? Because um, I think you'll find that she'll meet the qualifications. And so they sent her the information. She gave it to me. I filled it out. And I basically went to Prairie View. 
almost on a full academic scholarship. So it really worked out. Right. Yeah, I didn't have to pay out of pocket for anything. Um, it really worked out for me. One, going where God told me to go and then him providing financially for me to have that opportunity uh, where it won't be another financial strain on myself or my family. Wow. I love that. Cause that's not everybody's story. Some people come out of pocket. They're just taking mm -hmm. loans upon loans. And so that's mm -hmm. a blessing. And I really love that. And so I wanted to ask you, so you went to an HBCU for your undergrad experience. Was that for your master's and your doctorates as well? Did you go to a PWI? Yeah, no, no, no. So Along my journey at Prairie View, I met Dr. Booker, and she uh, is a professor of reading education. And so after I met her and started taking classes with her, and she also served as my advisor during that time, she kept talking to me about graduate school. She was like, you know, Ms. Johnson, you need to come back, get your master's degree in reading. You can do so much with this. And she kept sharing with us different opportunities of how that master's degree could help shape um, the trajectory of our careers and give us more opportunities while we're working in the schools and the K-12 schools. And so what I did was I graduated, I took a year off and just taught, just kind of introduced myself to what it meant, what it meant to be a full-time teacher. And then I went back and I pursued my master's degree in curriculum and instruction with a specialization in reading education so that I could study under Dr. Booker a little bit longer. Uh, and then be able to pursue different opportunities with that degree, because at that time I wanted to start teaching at the college level. Uh, I wanted to kind of start to branch myself into some teacher leadership roles at the school. And so that degree afforded me the opportunity to do that. Nice. It sounds like you kind of like had a mentor in Dr. Booker. And oh, so... Yeah. I love like her. how I know, right? Like I remember growing up and you was always talking about Dr. Booker this, Dr. Booker that, and just telling us all these really cool stories. And I can say like, for sure, um, just hearing back more about your collegiate experience is kind of like warming my heart because when you went to college, I was like four years old. Right. And so like the only thing that I really heard about higher education of course mom and dad talked about it but like was from you and Bree and seeing y'all graduate and get degrees and your experiences so this is just like almost coming full circle to me um because <laughs> I kind of see you and Bree as mentors for me as well and so I kind of want to know like do, are you serving in that capacity as well like being a mentor to other people and how important do you see that for students and people that want to pursue higher education mm -hmm. Yes. Um, some students, like they come to me and they'll ask me, will I be their mentor and kind of help them as they're going through this process? And it really, that happened more so when I started working in administration and HR for uh, a school district in the Houston area. And I would meet a lot of prospective teachers, uh, those graduating. And so from there, I started to form a lot of relationships and and help people as they were making those decisions and making those next steps about going to school. But directly in the role I'm in now, I really get an opportunity to help students. We have a lot of forward-thinking students who are coming to school. Of course, they're coming there to pursue their undergraduate degree, but they're already thinking about their next steps and trying to determine what is graduate school, 
How do I know what to pursue? What is this degree going to do for me? And some of them who don't know it all, uh, and then they're really just shaping new knowledge and learning new things about how to continue to progress in education and how that can affect their career as well as their learning. So I get an opportunity and to mentor people in a lot of different ways. It's so important when someone chooses like a mentor or like sees a mentor in the person. I feel like that's like almost like one of the highest honors. And so I love that you're a person that's willing to help and willing to guide and like lead other people, you know, that's just just trying to make it, you know, trying to live a good life. And so I commend you and thank you for being that to other people. And so Dr. J, mentor, when someone comes to you and they're just like, college, it's really just going left field right now. Like what advice would you give them to, you know, fight the good fight and keep going and, you know, march toward the education that, you know, they came there for. I had a student stop by my office and just having a hard time transitioning, moved really far away from home, thinking to herself, she doesn't know if this was the best decision. Should she really stay? Why is she here? Uh, everyone else she knows in college was having a really good experience and she just found herself not having, um, you know, the friendships that she wanted, those connections and relationships. And my advice to anyone, especially when you're new and transitioning into college, is to be patient with yourself. You know, like at the university where I work, we have over 3,000 new students. I said everyone there has traveled from somewhere else. You have to be patient with yourself in the process, and you have to be intentional about making connections and following up with people. And I think a lot of times new students don't give themselves enough credit as far as some of the things that they've already accomplished in their first few weeks at school. Like one, you move from home and you've established yourself on your own uh, at this university. You've started going to class. You've started meeting new people. A lot of them have started going to different events. And I think Sometimes because they're not getting the friendships or the relationships they want from that, they feel like they're not progressing at the level, uh, mm -hmm. at a high level. But at the end of the day, it takes patience to get to the things you want and it takes intentionality. And it's like I share with students, if you just continue to do those things and continue to be intentional and follow up, eventually you're going to get the results that you want. That is good. That is so mm -hmm. good. Because, oh my gosh, that is so good. The intentionality of it is so important because I feel like a lot of students, just like you said, will come and they won't see that and they won't ever have that kind of like mindset switch to be intentional about the things that they're doing to get where they want to go. Um, so I think that's, that's so great that you're instilling that in your students. Um, and I can say from the outside looking in that I've seen you practice that in your own endeavors. Um, and so... I would like to just hear a little bit more about your experience in obtaining a doctorate degree and kind of like how, like you said, Dr. Booker helped you realize maybe I should go get a master's. What made you say, I want to go get a doctorate or what was there like a turning point, a shift? Like, how did you kind of get there? And can you explain a little bit more what that experience was like for you? Um, I always knew I would do it. Mm -hmm. And it was just more so you know, God kind of speaking to me when I would pray and different things. I just didn't know when and I didn't know where. I really didn't know what either. I think <laughs> the preconception about me is that I'm a very 
organized and focused. I know exactly what I'm going to do and when I'm going to do it, what positions I'm going to pursue. And that's just not that true. (laughs) Although I have accomplished uh, some things in life, it hasn't been because I wrote out this perfectly correct plan to make it happen. It's been more so being deliberate and, and intentional about being prayerful and seeking God in the way that he wanted me to go. And um, when I was thinking about grad school, I had another plan to move out of state and do a residential program and get my doctorate that way. But when it came time for me to start that process, I was just in a different space in life. And I wanted to do something that was closer to home. At that time, I was living in the Houston area. I was looking for a program that uh, spoke to me as well as Um, a program that would afford me the flexibility I need as far as in how they schedule classes and the cohort style to give me that support so that I could matriculate well in it. And so when I was working in the schools, I think at this time I was probably an instructional specialist where I coach teachers and instruction and strategies and help them become really good at their craft. I had a coworker who was working on her doctorate in counseling at Sam Houston State University. And she just kept talking to me about the program, kept talking to me about the professors. And she said, you know, I know you want to do this and I really think you need to pursue Sam Houston. Well, they were never even on my radar. Right. (laughs) Because you went to Prairie View. That's HBCU. Okay. Like you probably Mm -hmm. was not worried about Sam Houston. (laughs) No, it wasn't. And I, and it was really her. Her name is Dr. Wines, but she was the reason I considered Sam Houston because she was having such a rich experience and she got so much support as she was working on her doctorate. Mm-hmm. So I applied, I went through the process and something so interesting. At that time, I was also teaching, um, I was teaching at the college some evening classes and they had a college fair. And I told my students, hey, you need to make your next decision about what you're going to do after you finish school here. Let's go to this college fair they're hosting and meet some people. Well, at that time, I had already applied to Sam Houston. I found out that I would do the interview process for the program. And then I met a person who was at the college fair representing for the university for Sam Houston State. And that person I met was Dr. Moore. And then maybe four years later, he ended up being my dissertation committee chair. Wow. I know. I'm really, yeah, it was crazy. That is crazy. Worked out that way. And I remember when I met him and I said, I'm interviewing with you next week for, well, with the school for the doctoral program. And he said, all right, I'll put in a good word for you. And I don't know if he did it or not, but I pursued educational leadership because I wanted an opportunity to eventually move up in leadership and into executive level positions one day and I knew a doctorate and and can't talk and I knew a doctorate in educational leadership would afford me the opportunities to do that. So the Sam Houston that's a PWI? It is. Mm-hmm. Okay nice so you made a transition from like the HBCU to a PWI. I did, but and I get this question from a lot of people who are thinking about going to uh, 
to pursue a doctorate one day and they say, you know, was it different? Was it hard? The cultural mm -hmm. shock. And honestly, there wasn't a culture shock when I went to Sam Houston State versus Prairie View. And maybe it's because I had already been so diverse in working with so many different types of people. So once I got to Sam Houston, there wasn't a culture shock in that effect because I had already had so many different rich experiences with so many people who looked and didn't look like me. That makes sense. No, that does make sense because I feel like I feel like that question probably would come from like a lot of people who just do school straight through. And so they are having to immerse themselves in the different like you know, campus communities, you know what I mean? Whereas you will kind of have more of a like school work, school work, working a little bit more, then I'm going back to school, you know what I mean? So that does make sense. Yeah. yeah. It's nice just, I think living in the Houston area was really good for me just because I was able to be around some in teaching and working in such a large area compared to how I grew up. I used mm -hmm. to tell my students, like we could take all the people in the town where I grew up and put them in one high school in this district so that they could kind of understand just the differences and how I grew up compared to how they're growing up in the high school that where they'll eventually matriculate. I used to work at a middle school. Yeah. So uh, just, you know, diverse experiences. Right. Small town. Sierra. You said that Sierra's face was like, what? I keep trying yeah. to tell Sierra, I'm from a pretty small town. We're from a pretty small, small town. town. You can take every single person in my town and put them in one high school mm -hmm. in the district where I worked. Because though at the district where I worked, the students, the population of the high schools sometimes would go up to 4,000 students. That's why I'm so grateful for the educational system and people that go into that field because that's not me. That's not me. <laughs> it's oh, pretty. Me. That hurts my heart when you say that because we need so many more people to consider and pursue education as a career. Um, I mean, the numbers of students are not ever going to stop. There are always going to be students in this country who need teachers. Okay. Uh, so the more people that we can bring into the field, the better the outlook for this country. Because at the end of the day, I mean, we have to give back in different ways if we want this country to continue to thrive and move in the direction of prosperity. So Dr. J, you have been in this game, in the business for 16 years. So what have been your positions over the span of 16 years? Sweet 16. <laughs> All right. So I started as a middle school language arts teacher. I taught sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, but not in that order. I did that <laughs> for four years. And then I moved into an instructional specialist role and I started coaching teachers in instruction and helping them become really good at their craft. I did that for six years. And then I moved into administration and I started working in HR for a school district and a talent acquisition department. So I recruited like teachers, principals and APs and all of those good uh, positions to the school district. And I did that almost two years before I moved into higher ed. Now I serve as the director for recruitment and the first year experience in the School of Education at Baylor University. So it really affords me the opportunity to not only get to know students as their prospective students and making those decisions about college, but also provide them different programming opportunities and leadership development so that they will matriculate well while they're at the university and graduate within four years. Nice. Y'all, I hope y'all are taking some good notes out there because she is just dropping the knowledge and the wisdom and so, 
take notes, y'all. This is some, this is gym. Diamond. Okay. After gym, <laughs> after gym, after gym. Mm-hmm. And I, I appreciate how you've been so fluid in the education system. Like mm-hmm. you not only have been teaching, but you've been like leading and just doing a whole bunch of different stuff, hiring different people in the school. Uh, and so I think that's really cool too, because sometimes uh, I think people can think about education and only like they only see teacher, you know, and mm-hmm. some people are like, well, I don't know if I can teach that's nerve wracking, all that kind of stuff. So like, what advice do you have for people that are interested in education or just interested in like the youth in general, uh, but don't really kind of know where to take it or how they can take it like what advice do you have for people that are just interested in maybe kind of segueing them into the education realm or field should I say I guess it depends on your degree we do have support positions available in education where you don't need a degree but you'll still get an opportunity to work in the schools and different uh, like paraprofessional positions Uh, If you are looking to be in a more professional role, that's where you'll need that bachelor's degree and you could work as a teacher or you could come in, um, work at the, in different departments, like they have communications departments and different uh, departments that support academics that a lot of people work in, HR. So there are a lot of different ways you can kind of move around the school system, uh, being a teacher or not being a teacher. So I would just tell you to be really intentional about reading different job postings, looking at the types of skills they're looking for, as well as the type of degrees they need. So that way you can position yourself one day to get into a position like that. I love that. I really do. And I want to ask you just one question because it's full of my spirit that's important to ask. But um, as you tell your story, I've heard that, you know, you've God has spoken to you and that you follow God and things like that. He's helped you along this journey. And so what would you say to someone who was a Christian, either HBCU, PWI, or both? What would you say to them to encourage them like along their walk and to hold on to faith with all the things that, you know, they could be exposed to the different people. It's like a whole new surrounding. A lot comes with college. And so what would you say (laughs) to encourage that Christian? True statement. True statement. I still hear things today that I'm shocked that students have to contend with. But um, I would tell them to find good people to be around. And even if you end up being around bad people, that that does not mean that you can't redirect and um, recommit yourself to finding different people and finding a better version of yourself. I do think even when we end up around negative people, there's purpose in that. And it's all about how we segue ourselves out of that to grow. I think it's really important that you get intentional and you are um, reading your Bible. And I know people would tell me that when I was uh, young in my faith and I'm like, read your Bible to get to know God better. Like what is happening here? But it really does make sense because when you're really reading and connecting with his word, you're connecting with him. And so that's what they mean. Uh, It's all about being intentional about making time to make that connection. And then be prayerful. Um, Praying doesn't always mean you're sitting in your closet with the light down on your knees, which is good prayer. I'm not telling you not to do that, but prayer happens consistently throughout the day. And it's about just having those small conversations with God and being reminded of his grace uh, in the midst of your process, being reminded of uh, just how he protects and cares for you and thanking him throughout the day. But just continue to make deposits um, into your faith while you are Mm -hmm. journeying during your day. 
Ooh, I like that. Make deposits mm-hmm. into your faith. I love that. Because it's, it's sometimes some little prayers be helping. Like when you're driving to campus and you're like, Lord, just give me a good parking spot. And you get there and it's like right there waiting <laughs> on you. Boy, them moments feel good. Yeah. Them moments feel good. <laughs> like, Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> they do. But just, you know, making sure that you are taking the time to connect with God and to grow your faith and to understand who he is and remind yourself, like as you read the Bible, you begin to come across scripture to understand a little bit more about God and and then reminding yourself, you know, God, you are faithful. God, I've read in the Bible that when somebody was going through this, you said to them right now, God, I need you to say something to me because Mm -hmm. I'm going through this. So it's making those connections of things he's done in the Bible and reminding him and reminding yourself that he also will do it for you. So just, just continue to lean and depend on him. Is there a scripture that, that helps you? I can't say that like, there's one scripture that I just, meditate on every day it kind of depends on my season Mm -hmm. and in this season I am being reminded that God is faithful anytime that we call on God we can be sure to know that he hears us and um I think that's just it's just in each season like the the scripture that I meditate on changes just kind of depending on needs and where God is trying to take me I love that I love that that's what you're mm-hmm. you're focusing on this year. That's beautiful. Well, y'all, I think we have ended the conversation on a great note. Dr. J, thank you for joining us today. Mm-hmm. Thank you for just opening up, telling us your story, all these great advice and tips. I hope y'all took notes. But honey, the episode is not over, okay? Y'all know, on Girl, Let Me Tell You, we be playing games, okay? It's game time. I'm a savage, okay? and so today's game is called savage sister says okay um and i'm gonna tell y'all why so a little bit of backstory um my sister has i wouldn't call it an alter ego but she has a little personality um and she pops up in memoji form um and we call her savage sister because she can take any regular situation in my life and has a savage comment to add to it. So today we're going to see how savage you can get. We're going to have a couple of scenarios for you and Sierra's going to, you know, read some, I'm going to read some, and we would love to know what savage sister would say in these situations. Okay. Yes. Okay. (laughs) I forgot it's a podcast. I have to speak. Okay, a little bit more softly, yes. <laughs> the scenario is it's Thanksgiving and everyone has brought a homemade dish, but you notice a store bought sweet potato pie on the counter. How's your response? I didn't know we invited Marie Callender to Thanksgiving dinner. Did Patty come too with her patty pie? okay next scenario savage sisters whole family can ride a bike except one person what would savage sisters say to that person i was just thinking one day we're going to have to teach baby jeremiah how to ride a bike i guess maybe we'll teach you then too 
That sounds about Savage Sister. <laughs> and just for reference, everybody out there, it's me. I'm the family member that does not know how to ride a bike. Okay. So I'm used to these. I'm used to these statements. Okay. From Savage Sister. What? She does not know how to ride a bike. Every kid learns. So when her kid learns, we'll teach her too. I tried to learn, Jen. I really we did. actually put we put the training wheels on the big bike for. They did. They really did. And I still could not ride it. Maybe I'd have to get a tricycle. Can I get a grown person tricycle? Uh no. That's not cute. Unless you're in a circus. Next scenario. Next scenario, me please. Next scenario, me please. So there is an all cracking up. <laughs> Um, so there's an all-white party coming up and someone shows up wearing just all black all red how does savage sister point them out that's not appropriate when the host has asked you to wear a certain color that's unacceptable in the story that's it last one last one savage sister is going on vacation while all her friends and family are at work what would she say to her friends and family you're probably at work i'm not feel free to call me when you get this message I know you're getting my messages. Maybe you're still at work. (laughs) Again, for the listeners out there, I have received this message before. So that is correct. (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. I'm a savage. Classy, bougie, ratchet. Y'all, that's all the scenarios we have for this game. My sister was cracking me up. I hope y'all got a good laugh. Honey, if y'all is out there being savage too, let us know, okay? Well, that's all we have for this episode today. Um, To Sierra and Dr. J, I just want to say thank you guys for coming and chatting with me. I really do appreciate it. To all the listeners and watchers out there, thank you so much. We appreciate you so much more than you know. Yes, y'all. You know, we love you all so much, but you know, the conversation does not stop here. Catch us bi-weeklies on Fridays at noon, but in the meantime, follow us on our Instagram page and like us on Facebook. I had such a great time today, and I hope everyone tunes in on the next episode of Girl, Girl let me tell <laughs> Did I not cue us in good? No, that was great. Well, that was good. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we're like done. We don't have to take that anymore. That was great. I thought we all ended on at different times. It doesn't matter. Mm-mm. We always yeah. end on in different times. Mm, I know. I was trying to fix that. Oh! <laughs> Savage sister. Right. She's Savage not done. sister. She's not done. She was just getting warmed up. <laughs> <laughs>